You're listening to Transcend the Podcast. I'm Asha Wilkerson, a business coach helping service-based entrepreneurs align their business goals with their personal goals to create a life they want to show up for. I will show you how to drop the expectations, thoughts, and beliefs that weigh you down as a woman of color entrepreneur so that you can create and walk your own path with success, confidence, and joy. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trends of the Podcast. I'm your host, Asha Wilkerson, and I am thrilled to be recording this episode of Transcend for you from the African country, which is also an island of Cape Verde, or Cabo Verde, if you say it in Portuguese. I am still in the midst of my work optional vacation, but I decided I wanted to keep bringing you podcast episodes, and I've run out of pre-recorded episodes, so here I am doing it just a few days before you will hear it. So I'm thinking about these things in real time and I'm happy and excited to bring them to you. So the topic I'm going to talk about today is how do you define success as a person of color, woman of color, BIPOC entrepreneur? Because there are so many different methods out there to measure success and the traditional ones like money and house and status and car aren't necessarily the ones that we're experiencing. And it doesn't mean that they're bad and it doesn't mean that we're bad if we're not reaching that pillar of success. But I want to bring to you today four other metrics that you can use to measure your success. And these are four metrics that I came up with on my own in particular because I also felt like at some point that I was doing all the things but I wasn't successful in the traditional sense of the word. And I thought, I've done all the school, I've gotten the job, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. How come I'm not experiencing that joy that they promised? And maybe it wasn't really joy that they promised, but that feeling of accomplishment, that feeling of success that they, whoever they is, promised. So this episode is particularly born out of my own experience as an entrepreneur and out of conversations that I had with my own friends who were on a similar path. A few years ago, I had conversations with several friends of mine who had also gone to graduate school, who were on the right path, who had done the, quote, right thing, end quote, but we were all left feeling a little bit unfulfilled, unsatisfied, dare I say, unsuccessful. So I personally struggled with feeling like I'd never be able to buy property in the Bay Area and that I wasn't as far along as somebody in my position should be. Others of us felt like we were struggling and living paycheck to paycheck because student loans were still a thing and high and due at the beginning of the month. Cost of living was increasing and paychecks weren't keeping up with that cost of living increase. And of course we wanted to take vacations because we needed a break from that stressful life that we were living. And so it became this balancing act between putting away for a rainy day, putting away for retirement and being able to enjoy the life that we were supposedly for creating for ourselves right then. All of us really felt like we were working hard professionally, but that we weren't receiving the rewards that we expected to get. At some point, I decided that enough was enough, and I took a look at my own life and my own values and thought about how could I define success for myself because it wasn't going to be in the traditional metrics. I didn't want to work longer. I didn't want to work harder. I didn't want to pay $4,000 a month for a mortgage. And I wasn't planning to settle with just anybody to start a family. In the quest to orient myself, I came up with these four pillars of success. And I hope that they resonate with you too. Feel free to take them or leave them as they fit with you and your lifestyle. 
So the first pillar of defining success for me is keeping my promises to myself. I feel like I am successful when I do the things that I say that I'm going to do. When I go to the gym, when I say I'm going to do it, when I open up the account, when I say that I'm going to do it, when I eat healthy because I have decided that that's the thing that I want to do and that is best for me and my body. It also looks like honoring my boundaries, being able to take myself out of situations when they get to be too much. And now that could be something as simple as going home from a friend's house when I'm actually tired instead of waiting because I feel like it's too early or like I'd be rude if I was the first one to leave. It also looks like taking the classes that I've wanted to take. I have said that I was going to take dance classes for years. I mean, years probably at least seven, eight, nine, 10 years, like a really, really long time. And in this 10 year period, I've probably only done two stretches, maybe three stretches of taking dance classes. And every time I go to an Afrobeats party or mainly Afrobeats, that's really, I just want to learn how to dance better to Afrobeats and now up piano. Um, I take the classes and then the class session ends and then I get busy and I don't take it anymore. But I keep telling myself, take that dance class. Learn how to be a little bit more free. Learn some moves so you won't embarrass yourself when you're out there. And who cares about embarrassing myself? It's really so I can just have some more fun. And when I don't do it, I feel like I'm not keeping my word to myself. And that for me feels like I'm not being successful. When you think about whether or not you keep your word to yourself, you may start to notice all of the areas where you've actually abandoned yourself and chosen something else or someone else over you. And I promise that when you keep choosing other things and other people over what's in your best interest or over what it is that you actually want to do, you're not going to feel successful. Success definitely feels like putting yourself first and meeting your needs first. So how many times have you said yes to taking on a new client when you knew you really didn't want to work with that person or you really didn't want to do the work? I'm definitely guilty of that. How long have you put off taking that dream trip? What are you waiting for? For me, I've put off living abroad since I was probably 25 and now it's time to make that happen. How many times have you said you're going to get up and do your morning routine to ground yourself for the day? I know that I say I'm going to journal every day and I go through spurts where I'm really consistent and then spurts where I'm not. And right now, as someone who doesn't have a morning routine to ground herself, I can tell you that I definitely feel more on top of it and more successful when I take care of myself first in the morning. All of these are examples of many betrayals. They are broken promises to myself, which led to feeling like I wasn't successful. If I couldn't honor my word to myself, how could I possibly feel successful? I had to get honest about what I wanted for me and also the excuses I was making. And I had to make a choice about whether I was going to keep my word and keep my promises to me or whether I was going to continue to engage in small acts of betrayal that would ultimately lead to me feeling like I wasn't successful. Now, if you're like me or like anybody else that's out there, you may be thinking, yes, Asha, I want to do these things, but it's just outside of my comfort zone. Let me tell you, most of us aren't really comfortable. We're just operating in a zone of familiarity. And when you realize that doing the thing that you said you would do is not actually uncomfortable, that it's just unfamiliar, 
then you can move forward knowing that you're already uncomfortable. So the discomfort isn't going to be any greater. You're just stepping into a new territory that's a little bit unfamiliar. Then you deal with that unfamiliarity. This brings me to the second pillar, which revolves around doing the emotional work. We often fall into recurring thoughts and behaviors and patterns and beliefs that keep us from moving forward. So my second pillar is, am I doing the emotional work in order to feel successful? And when I talk about the emotional work, I'm talking about just trying to make sure that I am moving forward with how I feel more positively, that I'm taking more chances, more risks, that I'm able to self-soothe more, that I'm able to catch the triggers and work through them. And my unit of time to measure this is a year, not like a daily leap in growth, not even weekly, not even monthly, but am I feeling better and more confident and more grounded and more stable than I was 12 months ago? And if I can say yes to that, then I absolutely feel successful. Now, here's the reason why doing the emotional work is so important. You can get all the things, have all the toys, take all the trips, buy the house and have all the money. But if on the inside, you were really discontent, unhappy or insecure, all of those material things won't matter. And really what we're chasing when we're looking for those material things is often a sense of safety or sense of completeness or sense of worthiness. And, you know, rules of manifestation say, feel how you want to feel before you get the thing. Because what we're chasing is not actually the object, it's how we think the object is going to make us feel. So for example, when I was thinking about, oh my God, I just need to buy a house. How am I going to buy a house in the Bay Area? It's so expensive. It doesn't make any sense. I realized that what I was looking for was a sense of financial safety and security. My mom comes from the generation where home ownership, maybe that's all the generations, where home ownership allows people to build wealth year over year. In my generation, is having trouble buying houses because of the time period that we're in. And I felt like because I hadn't hit that milestone that I was just not going to be financially secure. But when I actually stopped and looked at my situation, when I did the emotional work, and when I dove in to ask myself why I wanted to buy a house, I realized after looking at my finances and my resources that I was financially secure but my financial security did not include a house. And if I would have pushed myself to buy a house back when I felt like I should have been doing it, I actually would have been a little bit more financially unstable because the mortgage would have been out of a price that I could comfortably handle on my own. But it wasn't until I really looked inside and did the emotional deep dive to figure out why I was chasing the particular milestone of owning a home to actually see that I was closer to financial stability, that I had been in financial stability, but I just didn't know it because I wasn't checking in with myself emotionally and I wasn't getting to the root. I was chasing the dream, but I wasn't understanding the why. So if there's something that you're after, which all of us are after something, I encourage you to do the emotional work and to do a deep dive to see why you really want that thing. Look and see where your insecurities are coming from. And once you find an insecurity, I encourage you to sit down and write in a journal or to talk it through with a friend that I used journaling because it happens over multiple days. You might not get to the answer in one session, but use a journal and ask yourself, okay, I really want this house or whatever the thing is that you're chasing. Now, what is it 
that this, what feeling is this house going to give me? What is it that you're wanting to feel when you have this house? Is it security? Is it safety? Is it um, rootedness, groundedness? Is it a place to call your own? And just dig into that and see where that's coming from. And then start to think about how you can create the feelings that you're chasing, that you're actually looking for, for yourself even right now. So again, for me, I thought that a house was going to give me a little bit of status. I thought it was going to give me financial security. I thought it was going to help me keep up with the Joneses, which is another way of saying status. And when I actually looked at my own insecurity, I realized that it was feeling protected, feeling like I was a part of this group and that feeling like I was uh, financially stable. When I started doing the journaling work, I actually looked at my finances and realized that I was financially okay. I realized that I was right in line with my peers. And even that if I wasn't, if all my friends were buying houses and I wasn't, that I was still okay. I was still worthy. I still had value. I hadn't let anybody down. That was just my thing. And so I was able to take the embarrassment or dare I say shame off of the fact that I didn't have a house. So again, the first pillar of redefining success is keeping your promises to yourself. And the second pillar is actually doing the emotional work so you can understand why you were chasing the things that you were chasing. And also so that you can feel successful in your quest for them and not just when you get them. I mean, when you really do the emotional work, you might feel a lot more proud of yourself than you actually realize because you've tapped in to see what's going on. Now, the third pillar of success that I've created for myself is deciding how to spend my time. To me, the greatest commodity is time. I mean, after all, that's why we're working as hard as we work so we can have enough money to not have to work anymore and to do the things that we want to do and only the things that we want to do. At the height of my litigation career, I felt like my time wasn't my time. And to be honest, it really wasn't. I was working hard for my clients, answering their phone calls, preparing their cases. I was answering to the judges, showing up in court. I mean, at the end of the week, I'd be lucky if I had a couple of hours to spend with friends or to spend just by myself trying to recover. I can't say that being busy made me feel like I wasn't successful, but now that I have much more control over my time, I feel a lot more successful. I definitely feel like a boss in a good way to be able to say, yes, I want to do this. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going on vacation here. I'm cutting the day early there and I'm working from Portland tomorrow. That feels successful and that feels fantastic. So keep this in mind, controlling your time. Keep that in mind as you define what success looks like for you. Maybe it's the freedom of time that's more important than the money, that's more important than the location. Because if you have freedom, that really is true wealth. And let me define this a little bit more. It's not just freedom of time to just do whatever. I mean, I guess in a sense, it is, right? But it's the freedom of time to do what you want to do. There's nothing worse than being at work or being in one place and wishing that you were in another place. That's how I felt so many times in my career. That's how I've been feeling again more recently. And I'm actually making the changes so that where I want to be actually aligns with where I am. Like physically, where I want to be aligns with where I am physically. So what do you want? more time to do. I was in an exercise or in a workshop a couple weeks ago. And the question from the coach was this, if you had 10 times more money, what area of your life would you spend 10 times more money in? And immediately to me, 
came travel and time with family. If I had 10 times more money, I would spend it traveling 10 times more. If I had 10 times more money, I would 10X my time with my family. But the question wasn't really about the money. It was about where would you spend more of your time and your energy and your resources. So as you're thinking about your success list or how you want to define success, think about how spending your time would make you feel successful. How would you feel good if you spent your time in these different areas? And everybody's area will look a little bit different. Again, for me, it's travel and family. For other people, it might be in the gym or working on their health and nutrition. For other people, it might be more time with their kids. It might, it might be more time at work, whatever that is for you. But get really, really clear with yourself about if you had more control of your time, where would you spend it and how would you do it? And then work to make sure that that actually comes true. And number four, the fourth pillar of success for me is aligning my spending with my values. If you align the way that you spend money with the things that you care about, you will 100% feel successful. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the financial aspect of feeling successful, but the way I'm going to talk about it is probably not what you think. I had to sit down and think about what was important to me and to spend my money accordingly. And I had to do this because when I was following everybody else's money rules, I wasn't feeling successful. I wasn't allowing myself to prioritize the things that brought me joy. And I wasn't allowing myself to chase the things that I truly desired because I was following somebody else's rules. For example, traveling has always been a love of mine and really it's been a priority of mine, but I didn't allow myself to acknowledge it as a priority. And I allowed myself to feel guilty for sneaking off for a couple of weeks to another country because I felt like I should be putting my time and my energy into buying a house or to investing in the stock market or to saving for retirement. That meant that oftentimes I would sneak away and I would feel guilty or a little bit bad. Even though I was enjoying myself, I, I wasn't allowing myself to spend money on the thing that I valued without having guilt around it because I was also valuing somebody else's money rules. It was probably in some self-help book that I read or maybe in talking to retired folks, but I realized that they had waited until the end or the, the end of their career to start traveling and to go experience the world. But when you retire at 65 or 67 and a half or whatever the age is, sometimes your body doesn't feel that good. And people had waited, we all know people who have waited to retire to go do the things that they wanna do. Like my mom, for example, and now she just had a knee replacement. She's getting ready to have another one. She's not comfortable enough to go see the world. And when I started learning about people having regrets by waiting too long to do the things that they loved, I decided that I was going to live out loud and I was going to live right now. I didn't want to wait because we always hear the phrase, you know, tomorrow's not promised, but really what's the point of like saving all of the things that you want to do for later? for then, for some other milestone event to happen. So that realization and those conversations that I had with folks who were a couple generations ahead of me made me realize that there was really no point in waiting, that if I wanted to travel, I could make that happen now. And so once I reprioritized and recognized travel as an actual priority and got rid of saving for a house like with such intensity as a priority, then I felt really good about spending the money on the thing, travel, that brought me so much joy. Also a couple of years ago, 
thinking about like this money thread, right? And following other people's priorities, I, I discovered the FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement. And within this movement, there's a lot of frugality because you're trying to cut down costs and trying to put away as much money as possible. And there in that community, you can be guilted into about spending money. In that community, you can be guilted or feel guilty about spending money. But at some point I realized that my health and my wellness were also a priority for me. And I decided that I was going to spend whatever money it took to get healthy and to stay healthy. That meant that if I wanted to take the dance class, I would do it. If I wanted the gym membership, I would do it. If I wanted to hire the health coach that I would do it, I wasn't going to hold back as long as I could afford it on paying for my health and wellness. Now, according to the fire community, Girl, you could work out at home. There's free videos on YouTube. You could walk around Lake Mare. You don't need to spend any money to actually get healthy. But it was important to me. And so I decided to put more money in my budget for gym and health and wellness and less money away for savings. And that felt like success for me because I wanted to be healthy along the way and not have all this money at the end and then got to go reclaim my health. Those are just two examples from my personal life where I reprioritized the value and put those at the top of my list and started spending money in accordance with my values. Then you can have completely different values. And I am not here to make a value judgment on what you value at all. But I am telling you that when you spend money according to your values, you will feel successful. Why? Because you are actually funding the things that you want instead of just following the advice from someone that may be totally disconnected from your life. So make sure that your spending aligns with your values. Now, I've talked a lot about me and my own story about how I came up with these four pillars of success. And now I want to tell you about Marie. Now, Marie went to the best schools and she got the most coveted job after graduating. She also met her husband and fell in love and now they're in wedded bliss like four or five years later. She has always showed up for her friends and her family like she's supposed to. She showed up for work like she's supposed to. She's done all the things that she was supposed to, but Marie is feeling discontent, unhappy, unsuccessful, and she can't quite figure out why? By all accounts, Marie is successful. She's definitely successful on paper. Marie even started a side hustle because she thought maybe she needed to do something extra with her time to make herself feel successful. Her side hustle is taking off. It's bringing in good money. And then she joined a gym because she decided she wanted to train for a fitness competition so she could get that thrill of accomplishing a goal. But still, at the end of the day, Marie is not happy. So if Marie came to me, and said, Asha, I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do. I've started the side hustle to bring me more money. I'm working my way towards financial independence. I am in the gym on a regular basis because they said that would help my mental health. I've married a great guy. I've got a good job, but it's just not enough. What do I do? I would ask Marie the following four questions around the four success pillars. I would ask her whether or not she's keeping her promises to herself. I would ask whether she's doing the emotional work to feel better year over year. I would ask whether or not she likes the way she's spending her time. Then I would ask her if her spending is aligned with her values. In keeping her promises to herself, I would ask about boundary setting. 
whether or not she's saying yes when she wants to say no or no when she wants to say yes. I would ask her how much time she's carved out for herself and whether or not she's actually doing the thing that she wants to do. Now, it turns out that Marie has always wanted to become a certified yoga instructor. She wanted to do that before she got married and just didn't take action. And then she got married and she thought, oh, I'm too busy. I need to spend time with my husband. And she still hasn't done it. But now she's using the husband as an excuse, but it's not really his responsibility to make sure that she does her yoga teacher training. It's something with inside of Marie that she is not taking that action. She's not honoring her word to herself. And because that was a big goal of hers that she hasn't yet accomplished or even started working towards, she really doesn't feel successful. Then I would ask her about the emotional work. So often tied to honoring our promises to ourselves is how we feel about ourselves emotionally and whether or not we've done the work to heal from past trauma, past patterns of behavior, um, past scars, and whether or not we're learning new skills to apply in the upcoming situations. And now I wouldn't tell Marie that she has to heal from all of her childhood trauma. Lord knows we have a lot of healing to do from all of our childhoods. But I would ask her to dial in and see and ask herself, why has she not done the yoga teacher training yet? Is she afraid of putting herself out there? Is she afraid she's gonna like it and wanna quit her nine to five job and leave her side hustle? Is she afraid she'll be too successful, not successful enough? What is it? What is it that is holding her back? And I would encourage her to do the emotional work around that, whether it is somatic work, breath work, going to find a therapist or hiring a business coach. I would ask Marie whether or not she likes the way she's spending her time. Is she spending her time doing the things that she wants to do or is she spending her time doing the things that aren't really on her personal gratification list? And if she's spending her time doing things that aren't really what she wants to do, I would help her make a plan to figure out how to rearrange and reprioritize where she is spending her time so she can start to feel like she's in control of the things that she's doing and making progress towards her goals. And lastly, I would ask Marie whether or not her spending aligns with her values. It's not just about how much money she wants to make and, and how many trips she wants to take, but it's really about whether or not she values financial independence as she ages and is she putting money away to match that goal? Does she value vacation and fun time? And is she using her money to match that goal? Does she value her children's freedom? And is she setting up a 529 savings account for her children to have college education paid for by the time they turn 18? Does she value equitable and fair labor practices? And is she spending her money with companies that are equitable and fair in their practices when they're sewing the jeans and making the t-shirts and also not dumping their fashion clothes in the Pacific Ocean. So no two money plans or spending plans or money values plans look exactly the same. And they shouldn't because we are all very different people. But I'm telling you that when we're spending our money in a way that doesn't align with our values, we definitely don't feel successful. So if you could relate to my story or to Marie's story and you want some help redefining what success looks like for you, holler at me. I am your girl and I can help you. We should definitely talk. I can help you flush out your values and help you make a plan for how you want to live with those values at the forefront. I'm reopening my coaching container in September and my sales call calendar opens up again the last week of August. So if you were curious about coaching one-on-one -on -one with me, then head to the show notes and click the link so that you can book your spot in August for a sales call. You will work with me through the remainder of the year so that you can walk into 2024 feeling confident, 
aligned and like you have a plan to get to where you're trying to go. Head to the show notes to find the link to the call calendar and claim your spot today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more on how you can align your business and your life with me as a coach, head to the show notes and sign up for the email list. See you next week.